I'm Ayla Ellison, Editor-in-Chief and Vice President of Becker's Hospital Review, and I'm pleased to be your moderator for today's discussion on price transparency in hospitals and health systems. I'm joined today by three wonderful panelists to discuss this important topic today. And so we're gonna go ahead and start with introductions now, and then we're gonna dive into the questions that I have prepared for today. So Dennis, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization? Sure, absolutely. I'm Dennis Shirley, Vice President of Revenue Cycle at Unity Point Health. Uh, Unity Point Health is a large health system headquartered in Des Moines, Iowa. We have uh, acute care and ambulatory home health agencies across Iowa, uh, portions of Illinois and Wisconsin. Thank you so much, Dennis and Jeanette. Certainly good afternoon or good morning. I'm Jeanette Wadalevich and I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Common Spirits Midwest Division. So within that, I'm, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, and that includes 28 hospitals that are across uh, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. Thank you, and Michael? Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Michael Strickland, and I'm the head of product management uh, at a vendor named Flywire. Uh, we offer a patient financial experience uh, that helps a lot with the price transparency conversation that we'll be having today. But thanks so much for having us on the panel. Yeah, thank you all for joining us and, and taking time out of your schedules to share your perspectives with us today. We're going to begin our discussion by talking a little bit about the price transparency rules that actually went into effect in 2021. But just um, last month and in February, CMS released some updated numbers on the numbers of hospitals that they deemed were not in compliance with the price transparency rules. And there were about 340 or more hospitals that received those warning notices um, saying that they were out of compliance. So my question for you today is, what are the challenges hospitals faced in complying with these rules? And Dennis, can I start with you for this question? Yeah, and I think there's really two pieces to this. First were some of the challenges of actually getting the machine readable pieces pulled together. Um, whether that was technology limitations. I know many organizations did not have the capacity or the talent internally to create what was necessary to meet the, the regulations. Um, I think that was certainly a piece of it, and I know we had to partner with an external organization to really uh, get that piece off the ground. But I think the second piece of this is less about an inability to do so, but I know many organizations took a wait and see approach. Uh, to really understand what would the enforcement efforts look like, um, and then additionally, you know, really trying to find that, that patient-facing value that you'd find specifically with the machine-readable portions uh, of, this, of this regulation. And I, I think what we saw with some of these uh, CMS uh, notices was really uh, the federal government coming out and saying, you know, we're, we're serious about doing what we said we were going to do, or at least uh, somewhat serious about doing it. And uh, I, what we've seen is, is many organizations start to comply uh, at that point. And, and Dennis, a quick follow-up question for you. You mentioned um, you know, a lot of organizations or hospitals were taking this wait-and-see approach and also looking at what enforcement would look like. Uh, we know that CMS has issued these warning letters, asked um, hospitals for plans to come into compliance with the rules, but um, no fines or, or penalties have actually been um, administered yet. So do you think the, the lack of um, enforcement so far, I guess, of the rules has created this sort of, you know, uh, lack of incentive, I guess, to, to comply with the rules? I, I certainly think that's the case. At Unity Point Health, we have complied with the rules, but really our, our primary focus has been on really helping the patients get a better sense of 
what their financial responsibility will be. Uh, the machine readable portion of this we have not believed is the best way to actually help a patient understand their uh, responsibility. Uh, we took very early steps to try to take uh, the, the shoppable items and to really push that true patient-facing side forward. Um, and, and we have met all the, the required compliance elements with machine readable and likewise. But I, I do think that it has uh, perhaps disincentivized some of the uh, organizations from really taking a, a strong, proactive approach to, to meeting some of the re regulatory uh, items. Thank you so much, Jeanette, or Dennis. Moving on to Jeanette now, what would you identify as some of the biggest challenges hospitals, health systems are facing in complying with these rules? Well, there, I mean, there's, first of all, interpreting them. I mean, it's not difficult to have a cost estimator tool. We've had those for years. But it does get back to, as was pointed out, this machine-readable file that's you know, listing things like your gross charge and your discounted cash price, payer-specific negotiated charges, min and max de-identified data. Well, you know, not every payer pays us the same. So when you're looking at these files and someone's trying to figure out for their particular insurance company what, what's going to get paid, and there's not negotiated rates for every CDM item. So trying to understand how a certain procedure would be paid for and what the out-of-pocket would be for that patient is almost impossible. So we've really aspired to you know, making sure that our patients know that we are there for them. Whether that's a phone call, yes, they can use our price estimator tools, but even with that, Healthcare is complex. I mean, it's not like buying a car, uh, but it should be. So, you know, as we're as we're working with our patients, we're trying to identify how do we have the right um, access points for them to get the information that they need before they have the procedure, so they can make an educated decision. You know, you shouldn't be have the surprise at the end, like you know, all of a sudden it's going to be fifty thousand dollars and you had no clue. You, people need to know that up front so they can make decisions around their health care, and we can help them with financing. We work with Flywire, so we also you know work on some of those opportunities. That's the key: is getting with that patient up front before they have the service. So thank you so much, Jeanette. So mentioning the complexity of actually compiling this information or the file that um, would be available um, to the public or to, to potential patients. Um, and then Dennis, you also mentioned the complexity of putting together the machine readable file as well. Um, Michael, what would you add to this? What are, you know, in your position, what are you seeing as um, some of the biggest challenges of complying with these rules and, and how hospitals are navigating them? Uh, I'll pick up on what Dennis was talking about a moment ago, kind of extending beyond compliance most of what we see running through our platform is patients yearning for so much more than just mere compliance. And what we see most of our patients asking for is a solution in which an estimate is pushed directly into their inbox so they have an understanding of how much their financial care is going to cost way in advance of their experience so they can make financial arrangements about how they're actually going to pay for this. I think we're all familiar with the fact that most people can't afford to pay an unexpected medical expense. So if you give them the ability to plan, you're going to maximize your ability to collect later on in that patient's life cycle. And then also treat the patient's financial experience in the context of their broader experience. An estimate is just one point in a broader journey of preparation that a patient is going through. And if you can meet them where they're at every single time versus hey, you can come to our website and you can self-serve and you can read all of this information in a way that is possibly cumbersome or opaque. If you can meet them where they're at along that journey, again, you're just going to maximize their happiness, 
their retention in the future, and they'll remember your hospital system as one that's kind of going above and beyond what they're reading in the news to make sure that they're, they're very well prepared for their journey. So really, it's about putting the patient at the center and, and trying to work with them and the best to help them prepare for those expenses, to know what those expenses are. And also, you explained how that would benefit the hospital or health system down the road as well. So thank you so much, Michael. Um, so as this conversation around price transparency has evolved over the past few years, uh, some hospital le leaders have um, said that the rules requiring them to, to post these prices online or make them publicly available um, put them at a competitive disadvantage. And what would you say to that, Dennis? Do you agree with that argument? I, I think there's pieces of that that is, is obviously true, right? As, as the machine-readable files are posted, patients aren't using those, right? It's, it's data aggregators, uh, payers are utilizing that information to get a sense of uh, what rates they are paying as compared to competitors. Likewise, you know, as health systems, we can use data in the same way to understand what payers are, are paying our peers and competitors in our markets. You know, I, I think data is power in a lot of ways, and data is power as we go into negotiations uh, with our payers. Ultimately, you know, a, as was said previously, we're not paid the same from all of our payers. And I think it's important to note that what we're able to see or what payers are able to see from this data aggregation is a point, a data point that uh, will very likely uh, be an important part of conversations that we have as we go into negotiations. But it is just one data point. Uh, we need to ensure that we're continuing to communicate you know, quality metrics. What are we doing from a value-based perspective? How are we uh, you know, leveraging our scale and size to uh, provide better health care to consumers, to members, to these uh, payers. And it's, it would probably be naive of us to believe that there's no impact here, right? Because this is a, a data tool set that's out there. But I think it's important that we utilize, uh, for, as, from a health system, we're utilizing the data to uh, improve our negotiating position as well, but also uh, continuing to keep at the center that this is a data element and not uh, the entirety of the data that, that we should utilize when we're having these conversations. Thank you so much, Dennis. And Jeanette, anything you'd like to add to that? Do you think that that's a valid argument that posting these prices um, puts certain hospitals at competitive disadvantage? And is it something hospital leaders are worried about? Well, I do believe hospital leaders are worried about it because, you know, all of a sudden you can see what other other entities are being paid for a similar service from similar from similar payers, and you kind of wonder why you're getting you know the fights constantly with the blue crosses of the world um, about like you're, we're paying you too much. It's like no, you aren't. You're paying them more. So I mean, it, it goes both sides. And so yes, you know, it it I would say the payers probably are more vulnerable than we are because we we follow a very similar process with all of our payers, and we've got, a, you know, I think a very good way in which we work with them in order to be pay paid fairly. Um, but the payers themselves now are going to have to be accountable to that. You know, and frankly, we're in the middle of some negotiations right now, and I don't see the payers using it at all. Um, I see them still going back to their, you know, the data they get from the brokers and, you know, comp and continuing to come and say why they shouldn't give us, you know, more than a 2% increase. Um, although this year it's going to have to be a lot bigger. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everybody is a concern when, when all of a sudden there's no more uh, smoke and mirrors. It's like it's out there. But it is hard to read. And I've gone out and looked at our own file. I'm like, I don't even know how folks would effectively use this. And it isn't for the patients, which is the most disappointing to me because I do support the fact that a patient should know what they're going to pay when they come into our facility for the most part. And the fact that we've created these convoluted you know, files and things that are out there to meet the regula regulation, 
Um, and they still don't know that because I still get emails and calls from patients about their, you know, being surprised about what they had to pay. There's something not right. And, and you point to something that's just so important, and I think that, you know, th this room is full of, all of you know um, the complexity of healthcare and the way those prices are negotiated. Patients aren't always aware of you know, the, the, the price that they're seeing or the, how those numbers may change. Um, so I think that you, we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but how we can, or how hospitals and health systems are moving forward with helping, actually helping patients understand their costs versus um, just kind of this regulatory compliance we're talking about now. Michael, anything you would add to the question, or add to the um, discussion about hospitals being at a competitive disadvantage um, by posting their prices, or, or anything you've, um, any observations you'd like to share on that question? Uh, I don't, I don't go through the negotiations, so I don't have a, a lot to, to add to the conversation, but I think that in a world in which everything is transparent and disclosed, uh, eventually you'll, you'll reach a new equilibrium where this information is benefiting both sides, whether it's your competitor or the payer, in a way in which eventually it will all be used. Um, the second thing is we've seen a few of our customers take a different approach with the negotiations themselves on how they will eventually impact their patients. Like, if you can go into the negotiation room with a large payer and simplify your contracts and simplify the way that you charge, it will have great downstream consequences for the way that you end up billing in the future. Like, if the flatter the discount fee can be with the, the fewer uh, constraints or consequences around that, the easier it will be to explain to a patient in the future why your bill is a thousand dollars and that that's the part that's it's very hard of course to translate that into the negotiation room but most of the the constraints that we see from providers and patients is more operational f as far upstream as you can go uh, back to payer. I, I would just want to add though that charges mean nothing and when we're you know, putting our CDM out there and an MRI is $3,500 and nobody in the world is paying $3,500, they're going to pay whatever, $1,100 if you're, if you're lucky, um, then the charge actually just got people confused. Mm -hmm. So we try to, and I've been very vocal when I've been you know, on, on the TV or with the news stations talking about it, is do not, do not look at one of these files that has the charge of a certain item as this and then expect that you're going to pay that. And even if we know what the allowable is, you also have to understand what is it that your out-of-pocket requirements are. What's your deductibles and co-pays? What, you know, are you in a narrow network? We, we have that happening. So that upfront is so critical because it is extremely misleading by simply looking at a charge um, that's on a, on a charge master. And, and I might jump off of that. When we, when we look at where and how do patients get the best true estimate of their responsibility, you know, in a lot of ways it's from the payer. Um, the payers know exactly how much out-of-pocket is remaining, what the, uh, the deductible, uh, where a patient may be at in that cycle, and we are aggregating information or asking for information from a payer to be able to provide an accurate estimate. But the reality is the payers have that data. They know what the contracted rate for services are. They know where a patient's at in their out-of-pocket cycle. You know, I think that's a key, that we don't look at uh, price transparency in a vacuum, but we look at where can we partner better with our payers to really help our patients, their members, get a better and more accurate look at what an out-of-pocket for a given service or series of services might look like. 
So you raised a lot of interesting points, uh, Jeanette and Dennis, about these rules that were designed um, with with putting supposedly putting patients um, at the center and to, to help increase transparency and, and to let them know what they would owe have actually created confusion. Um, and I will say, um, if you look at uh, you know some local media reports um, from, you'll you'll see that they'll pull the uh, the file and they'll say this hospital charges this amount compared to this hospital. And um, you know everyone on this panel and and here that 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 isn't necessarily the amount that the patient would pay, but the patients don't. So I. I want to shift our conversation now to talking about what what would really benefit the patient. So I know, Jeanette, you had mentioned cost est estimators and other tools that are being used to help uh, patients really understand what they would owe out of pocket. Uh, Dennis, what do you see? What are some of the, the tools your um, health system is providing to help patients actually understand what they would owe and to help sort of cut through some of the noise in this conversation to give clarity? I think it starts as far upstream as, as you can go. And uh, we, we have, uh, as probably most in this room, we have the ability for patients to do online shopping, whether that be anonymously plugging in their insurance or, or the like. You know, that's a place where I think we need to continue to expand and invest in how do we help patients get a better idea as far in advance as possible as to what their, their uh, out-of-pocket might be. One of the issues we run into is utilization. So when we, we monitor utilization of some of our uh, shoppable estimates, and, and outside of labor and delivery, we really don't see a whole lot of traction in, in those shoppable items. What we do see, however, are, are phone calls into our uh, patient financial coordinators who can start having conversations with patients up front uh, as a result of a, uh, an estimate that we deliver. So we deliver estimates as a part of every, uh, every encounter, whether that be scheduled. Uh, ideally, we're getting that out to the patient as far in advance as possible. Um, and that then sparks uh, conversations with our patient financial coordinators to go through uh, that process. That's not ideal, right? Ideally, we would be able to have patients uh, self-serve more entirely their um, their whole estimate process. That's, that's a, a progression we need to be able to make. Um, but then I think when we look at this secondly, how do we also balance the, the idea of price estimation and, and transparency with the avoidance of care and preventing patients from avoiding care because of a high estimate? And that's where we've really tried to plug in that human element uh, to understand what are some of our, uh, our financial assistance opportunities for patients? How can we get them plugged into uh, a marketplace plan or a Medicaid plan or covered under our financial assistance uh, policies? Because we have, have seen and heard from our patients that they will avoid care because of the fear of a burden. And the, while price transparency is great and we can communicate to patients what that out-of-pocket will be, if it scares them away and they end up having acute 